Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Up Your Alley. It's a podcast with two best friends. That's me, my name is Taylor Edgar, and with me as always is my best friend, Jake Baggett. Say hi, Jake. Hi, buddy. We recommend things to each other, and then we come back the next week to rate them on a scale of one to three, uh, depending on how much that thing is up our individual alleys. Right now, I am still in the lead with 55 points. Jake, on my heels with 54 points. Oh yeah, baby. We'll see what that score changes into. Uh, this week, we are talking about Jake's recommendation for me which is the YouTube, I would say, short documentary. It's yeah. about an hour long. Uh, from the YouTube channel We're in Hell, entitled What White Noise Tells Us About the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And my recommendation for Jake, which is the 2023 <laughs> film The Flash. Uh, we're in hell. of what we're watching. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. We have a classical piece of art, and then we have the yeah. Mona Lisa. You have somebody. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> you little you subverted expectations. Yes, I did. Uh, we're in Hell is available. Obviously, it's a YouTube channel. It's on YouTube. And The Flash is available to watch on Max. We will get into that. But first, we've got a couple uh, things to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, related mm-hmm. to us, kind of. A couple of sad things. We talked about Bob Barker dying last week. Yeah. Uh, this past week, we lost Arlene Sorkin, uh, the voice of Harley Quinn and the original oh, yeah. inspiration for Harley Quinn. That was really sad. Yeah, that one's wild. Yeah. And then a couple days later, we lost Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Which, if listeners of the podcast know by now, you know. You're from I'm a, Florida. I'm a Florida man. Jimmy <laughs> Buffett was a big, big part of my He's life. He's the president of Florida. <laughs> he is the king of Florida a little bit. They even put him in Jurassic World running away uh, with margaritas. Those, they, uh, those were sad. And then... Uh, they put the uh, flags at half mast at Margaritaville. I, I think they just closed them down for the day. That's a that's a smart move. Yeah, go be with your families. Exactly. Cover the mirrors with black felt and all that yeah. stuff in every Margaritaville. <laughs> and but also Jimmy Buffett. I don't. I think he's one of those people. He does. He kind of gets to be a punchline, but he's yeah. also a very very talented person. Yeah. I was re-listening to some of his songs, and I was just like, God damn it! Some Man. of these are just bangers. Volcano is a really good song. Yeah, Volcano is great. Cheeseburger Paradise is great, but then some of his songs are like Cheeseburger Paradise overplayed. So I'm done. It's same it's thing with Margaritaville. Margaritaville They're good songs, but man, I'm tired of them. I will stand up for Somebody Margaritaville. Plays Volcano though. That's now a, we're talking. That's a bit of a B side, I would say. But I, I even like his uh, his <laughs> Jimmy Buffett's great hit his, track three. <laughs> actually, I think Volcano's eight on songs you know by heart. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. Uh, I like his some of his like lower key songs, like "Son of a Son of a Sailor" is a great song. "Come Monday," "Changes in Latitude," "Changes in Attitude," "Pirate Looks at 40. Jesus, yeah. No, I don't know any of this. You I'm, don't? No. God damn it. I should, if I didn't have such a good recommendation for you this week, I'd recommend like a Jimmy wow. Buffett playlist. No, and then we you. could just have Jimmy Buffett. Day. <laughs> Maybe we have all F like April. Honor. Maybe we'll have Jimmy Buffett June. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett June? Jimmy Buffett January. Is better. that enough? You're going to make me read Swine Not, the book by Jimmy Buffett He's about a pig that's at the beach? Yeah. Why not? Because that's crazy. Because <laughs> that's a crazy book to write. He also has a Pirate Looks at 50, which is his autobiography. That's true. Yeah. I would rather read that than Swine Knot. Fair enough. That book used to come into the bookstore a lot. <coughs> and uh, that's a good pull from you, from your used bookstore days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it so you worked at a used bookstore for so long, your early frames of reference are things people did not want anymore. <laughs> yes. You see it come in, you're like, oh, that was just a flash in the pan type thing. <laughs> if it was worth keeping, Jake doesn't know about it. <laughs> Speaking of flash in the pan, we also lost uh, Steve Harwell, lead singer of Smash Mouth. I know. Yeah. That one's wild. I, just like Jimmy Buffett, Smash Mouth kind of gets like a rap of a you, joke you band. to make fun of them. It's, it's all-star, and 
I'm yeah. a believer in the Shrek stuff. Might I as get well it. be Walking on the Sun. Walking on the Sun is their first single from their first main album, Fushu Mang, which yeah. I maintain and I will die on this hill, is a great, objectively great album. Huh? It's a little punk, it's a little ska. I'm gonna have to take your word on it. If you when you leave here today, or if you're listening to this on your podcast app of choice, yeah. if you're on Spotify, the album's called Fushu Mang. Put on the song Flow. It's track one. <laughs> and they end it with they end the album with a cover of Why Can't We Be Friends by War. Mm-hmm. It's it's a solid it's a solid <laughs> album. It's not gonna change your life, but yeah. it will make you kind of think differently. Like we talked about in one episode about the Counting Crows. Yeah. I'm like, it's a band that had uh-huh. they have their thing. Right. If you like this, you're you'll like the rest of right. their discography. Yes. And I Smash Mouth they, they did change a little bit, but yeah. I will uh, maintain they were but they were something before they got famous. They're one of those like late nineties, early two thousands bands that really changed their sound when they got big. Some yeah. people call it selling out. I don't Oh, sure. Get your back. But like even Sugar Ray was like that. Sugar Ray's first couple mm-hmm. records were pretty hardcore. Like Mark McGrath kind of wanted to be Henry Rollins, Ew. like screaming and taking his shirt off and shit. But Ew. <laughs> Fly came out. And now he hosts like Access Hollywood or Entertainment Tonight or one of those. Yeah. One yeah. of those shows. He's but, in his element. Yeah. Go get your money. Yeah. So rest in peace to all those people. I know. I, were, I watched a video of Smash Mouth being drunk on stage his name wasn't smash mouth and you're watching smash mouth just walk around and saying weird things and you're like that's funny and then they're he, like he kind of took a, a turn problem. for like the COVID. Stuff. it was i think they said he died of like liver failure at, yeah. in his 50s he had which a problem. is that's not a good sign no also if you're on stage screaming about lockdowns and masks and stuff yeah probably got some issues going on too he's yeah yeah, kind of use that direction of a person. Everyone's allowed to have their opinions, but when you scream them into a microphone, it takes it up a level from an opinion to trying to force it onto other people. Yeah. They're just there to sure. hear All-Star. Yeah. <laughs> like, sing All-Star, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's sad, all of them. Uh, another big development that we got going on, uh, y'all can't see, but Jake can. Got some can new put equipment a down picture here. up on the Instagram. Oh, we could. Yeah. That's smart idea. Thank you. Uh, we got a little setup down here for uh, streaming on Twitch. Yeah, man. The Twitch channel is uh, twitch.tv slash fishtankindustries, which is kind of the parent company. Yeah, that's true. I like that. It makes me feel official. So yeah. when I had to start like an LLC and everything, it's Fish this Tank Industries. This is technically my second job. Yes. <laughs> and since you just started a new job, you've been paid the same amount for both jobs <laughs> yeah. so far. I'm, at, at that point, I'm as big of an employer as Amazon. That's very this true. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Suck it, Bezos. Also, he owns Twitch. So yeah. <laughs> getting back to that, like... Uh, Jake and I have a couple ideas of things that we might want to do on Twitch, kind of yeah. like a podcast adjacent. I was yeah. thinking, we got the cameras. If we wanted to live stream a recording process, I don't know why anyone would watch that, nah. but nah. <laughs> but I've been up there playing some video games, been playing some, uh, just trying to get, my main thing, and this is what's been driving me crazy, that I've put up, and I actually at one point had four people watching on my Twitch stream. Yeah. Um, so when they put out... The Nintendo Online for Nintendo 64. Yeah. They sold a Switch-compatible wireless Nintendo 64 controller. Yeah. And that worked. But if anyone knows, the Pro Controller for the Switch is pretty much the same layout. I mean, Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch kind of have the same layout. Yeah. You have the four shoulder buttons, style. two it's sticks. very close to the Xbox yeah. controller. They all yeah. pretty much took the PlayStation model when PlayStation got two sticks. Four triggers. Just, yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much it. So, But the Nintendo 64 games are pretty much unplayable on the it's, two sticks. Just because you got to get used to it. Yeah. You, uh, 
the just the way they map the buttons mm-hmm. makes no sense. Yeah. It's like they were just throwing darts at uh, a drawing of the button layout and like, okay, that's what the B button is. I don't know. It's over my head. <clears throat> so what I did is I've been experimenting playing my favorite game, Banjo-Kazooie, uh-huh. and remapping the buttons live to where it feels actually playable. Kind of like, uh, not so much like, oh, the B button, the A button, and looking at it, but just playing the game and being like where my thumbs would kind of naturally go. Yeah. Be like, okay, because like it, on the Switch, the B button's the bottom button, but jump button's A, which is the right button. But it doesn't feel right to push the right button to jump. So you just kind of like, I was just kind of sitting where my fingers would naturally go and like, yeah. Yeah, okay, that. And I eventually got like five people watching and be like, in the stream just said, Banjo-Kazooie button remapping. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, ah. Yeah, there you I'm go. not the only one that's. I mean, granted, it's kind of a niche market for Banjo Kazooie, but I if mean, you put in yeah. the stream, if someone's searching Banjo Kazooie and you put up Banjo Kazooie button remapping trials, they might learn a thing or hey, two. Yeah, yeah. and watch a man struggle. <laughs> yeah, so to make uh, it work. You can su- uh, subscribe to the Twitch channel again. That's uh, Twitch.tv/slash/FishTankIndustries. Uh, hmm. It's going at least until the 18th of this month because after I got everything up and running, I already told Jake it said we're. Twitch uh, Studio is no longer supporting Mac. Yeah. Which I'm like, God damn it. That's a hilarious <laughs> update. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like they thought I was going to take over the whole platform. So, like, we got to put some roadblocks in front of this kid because yeah. his Banjo-Kazooie content Look at how is, fast he's developing. He has five people watching him remap <laughs> buttons on Banjo-Kazooie. It's really going to take a drain on the economy because everyone's <laughs> just going to not be working anymore. <laughs> They're just going to play Banjo-Kazooie in a much more comfortable layout. Yeah. that and uh, I feel like the controller just... When you have it in your hand and it's so different from the Nintendo 64 controller, mm-hmm. you just naturally want to use it as the modern controller. Yes. You know? Especially because we've been playing with modern controllers since the Nintendo 64. Yeah. I mean, between since PlayStation right and after. Xbox. Yeah. And even the kind of the, the GameCube controller, it had four buttons. They were weirdly shaped. Yeah. Uh, but they had four buttons and triggers. The in, GameCube only had two triggers, but yeah. still pretty much the same layout. Two sticks. Yeah. A C one stick and assist, the other one. C stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing is more of a GameCube layout. So, like, the C-stick is the right stick. So mm. when you have to do, like, combo moves, like, hold crouch and push C-left, yeah. you just hold down the crouch, which is... Yeah, that's probably good. All right, here's, here's an example. If you're mm. holding that controller and there's two shoulder buttons and there's one trigger on the Nintendo 64, where do you think the Z-trigger should be? Uh, ZR. Yes, they have it as ZL. Oh, it, wow. Why? Yeah. Just that so your brain automatically Damn. goes to right. So <laughs> it's fun. Enjoy, join me on my remapping journey. And also while I replay Banjo-Kazooie, <laughs> trying to remember where everything is. Yeah. Not looking up guides or anything. You're going to want to speed run it. I can see it. I might get into that. Yeah. Those guys are real good, though. Yeah. You're going to want to PB it you'll, a lot. You'll hear my name it. in a Summoning Salts documentary yeah. like we talked about last week with Poopins. Jimmy Jimmy Poopins. Did you end up watching that? Yeah, I he did was, watch it. It's fucking great. Yeah. That guy, fun. That guy knows what he's doing. <clears throat> and speaking of awesome uh, YouTube documentaries, let's get into Jake's recommendation for me. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, from the YouTube channel We're in Hell. Um, and it was their video posted, I think it was two months ago, wow. I want to say, June 1st of this year, uh, called What White Noise Tells Us About the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake, give us a little background on how you found this, what you know about the channel, and I you can't know, why remember you remember when Where in Hell showed up in my algorithm. Just one of those Or things. what video it was that it showed up on. Yeah. But uh, I really enjoy uh, his critique of things 
but not only does he like give an in-depth look at art he mm-hmm. also will watch uh really stupid reality tv shows and talk about those mm-hmm. which is pretty fun as well and i i really enjoy just sitting down listening to what his ideas are and this one was <coughs> one of the most recent ones that i find very very interesting yeah and i was like this is something i like that's not in taylor's world let's see what taylor would think of this so it is a youtube channel that popped up in your algorithm you didn't hear about it from something else or anything like that no just straight up algorithm i have a couple like that like i was just pulling my youtube trying to see who i know from uh the algorithm uh one of the guys i talked about a bunch um nando Mm -hmm. v movies is fantastic uh, another channel called Nerd of the Rings, where a guy just does like really deep Lord of the Rings lore yeah. documentaries. It's like, oh, you guys want to know about Arendil? It's like, here's a 45-minute oh. video about him. Oh. <coughs> um, so I see. One of my favorite is, and this popped up, and I thought it looked dumb, but it's legitimately, unironically, one of my favorite YouTube channels. It's called Frankenstein's Lab. Yeah. Um, mm. It's two guys sitting on a couch. I don't want to put on that they're on marijuana, but they very strongly seem like they're on marijuana. And Mm. they're just watching clip compilation videos from YouTube. So you see the clip compilation video in like the bottom third, and then it's just them sitting on the couch reacting to it. Kind of like a stoned (laughs) Statler and Waldorf sort of thing, but it's just like Family Guy clip compilation. And she's like, oh, right, we're going to watch Family Guy. Uh, <laughs> and they're right. watching it. And they laugh and they go, that's stupid. <laughs> it's, I don't. Enjoyable? If, it's so enjoyable. And uh, I don't. Uh, it's one of the. It's a fucking train wreck. Like, you cannot look away from it. It's like staring into Eclipse. You're like, I'm not a big Family Guy fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big reaction video fan. But these two just work so perfectly together. <laughs> like, go watch. Shout out to Frankenstein's Lab. Those guys, I swear to God, if I find out. It's one of those things where if it's a if it's a joke and they come up together and be like, we've actually studied at Juilliard and we're uh, uh, you know uh, making a critique on how Family Guy makes people seem more unintelligent. <laughs> I think wrestling with are, shadows broke your brain, dude. I think it did. I think everything's kayfabe. Now. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't take it. But also, if it's just two guys stone sitting on a couch watching Family Guy, that's awesome too. <laughs> so yeah. So right. um, one thing that did throw me off about this is you told me that the documentary is called what white noise tells us about the Mona Lisa. Uh, I thought white noise, it meant like, yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. white, white what noise. You pick up on a uh, channel that has no picture to receive. Exactly. I did not know white noise was a novel. Yeah. A novel written by Don DeLillo. It's a uh, Netflix movie as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie? No. Okay. Neither have I. Uh, so that was kind of a fun extra thing to learn about. Yeah. Uh, why don't you uh, get to the kind of, good critique of like what what the whole documentary is about so the whole thing is about the mona lisa yeah and how it's the most photographed portrait you know in the world Mm -hmm. and it's really small painting in a museum filled with glorious magnificently large arts but people stand in line to just take a picture of themselves with the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. So it stops being about the art of the portrait at some time, and it starts being about the art of the history of the Mona Lisa. This thing is famous to be taken photos with for a reason, and 
at some point it stops becoming art as something that's inquisitive and it starts becoming art as something exploitative and that's what happened with the mona lisa right and i like his little breakdown about it how the history of it's pretty fun and how all of that just comes together to make a moment that everybody wants a picture with the mona lisa yeah so that's the really interesting part about it is because his conceit and this one really reminds me of the other YouTube documentary um, that you had me watch the in search of a flat earth. Yeah. Just really well made. And I think it's worth the time for anybody to watch this. You don't have to have read that book. And like me, no, you, don't. you didn't yeah. have to know that book existed. Yeah. Um, the book just talks about the most photographed <coughs> barn. In yeah. The world. Which is a place out in Wyoming. Yes. That bills itself. And the conceit he kind of gets to is, um, he built, there's this barn that's a tourist attraction that calls itself the most photographed barn in America. But the reason it's the most photographed barn in America is because it's called the most photographed barn in America. Exactly. So he kind of, uh, curtails that into the Mona Lisa saying that it's not the best painting. Yeah. It's not even the biggest. It's, you know, very small. Yeah, it's not even, uh, Da Vinci's Da Vinci's best work. Yeah. But most intriguing work. It's kind of breaking down the, the weirdness behind famous for being famous yes which i think is a great critique and i don't i think this guy uh sam i think is his name nice guy i think I he's i think we're in hell he's a nice canadian boy yeah, he's <laughs> picked up on the canadian quick yeah there's a couple of boats there's a couple in there. of boots and yeah he does do an a a really good a mm-hmm. where i was like okay yeah. like when i do it it's like to punctuate a question but yeah. his was like I'm Canadian. <laughs> Just like a little side. He's like, hey, guys, yeah. your neighbors to the north. We're up here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a really, it's a document, not a documentary in the sense that you learn something. Yeah, You learn a little bit of history. It's you a real learn, jumping off point. Yes. Yeah. It's something that is just talking about art and how to look at it from different perspectives. <clears throat> and that's something that I find uh, very valuable because yeah. I love to consume art in all its forms it i want to understand it at the very least and the the way that i can do that is by watching videos or reading books where people talk about their insights Mm -hmm. and it could be completely different from me but now i'm seeing it from a new viewpoint and now i could maybe appreciate something like i didn't care about the mona lisa i still don't yeah i do want my picture taken with it Mm -hmm. if i'm ever at the louvre but I'm not, like, seeking it out like other people are. Right. You know, if I just happen to be at the Louvre. And I think what he kind of hammers home the point for, which I had no idea about this story at all, is he brings up the fact that the Mona Lisa didn't really even get uh, famous and world have worldwide renown until it was stolen in 1911. Yeah. A guy named uh, Vincenzo Perugia. Stole uh, it. <laughs> who worked there. He was part yeah. of the team, I think. that He was part of the team that brought in the Mona Lisa. Yes, and built like a new housing unit for the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And he just took it, and he just kept it in a trunk for yeah. two years. Mm-hmm. Moved to another country. I can't remember which he one. Went, he went back to back Italy. To Italy. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he he's an to Italian him. guy, and then he calls up an art dealer and basically said, hey, do you want to buy the Mona Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, sure. And then that guy called the cops. Yeah. <laughs> but this is after two years. And during that two-year period, like they said something to the effect of, there was someone coming soon after Perugia stole it 
to like study it or like take pictures of it or something like that. And then they noticed it was gone. And yeah. it wasn't a famous, I think it was a Da Vinci. It was a famous painting. And then, but the, it wasn't famous enough for everyone. There weren't people going yeah, to see it wasn't every a line. day. Yeah. Yeah. And then the spot where the Mona Lisa was became famous. Right. Because it was know? empty. They left it, it just, empty. Yeah. They left it empty. And it, that was a sight to see. Yeah. And that's another uh, really interesting part of the whole story is how that becomes. A attraction right. in itself. The, the lack absence. of the attraction becomes yeah. an attraction. And I don't know. I just really enjoy when somebody has like a laser focus on one type of understanding, yeah. and they're like, "Just give me forty-five minutes to explain to you why, why some people this. see it this it, way." It's really him, uh, kind of like defending his thesis. If yes. he was a doctor student, <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly it. Yeah, uh-huh. and he's relating it back to this book, and just you know, he's not. Doesn't go into too much of a deep dive in the book. He's no. just like, this is kind of a, I, I guess in the academic stuff, the whole story about the chapter in this book where they go see the most photographed bar or barn in yeah. America is kind of like a touchstone or a reference point that a lot of people do is like, oh, that's like the barn in White Noise, and yeah. he was just like, oh, it's the same thing as the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. which is you know, it's a good. Uh, analysis that he had yes definitely and i thought it was a really well-made uh thing that i i think it what it made me think about is I'm like oh shit this is just what we do on this podcast yeah We're kind of a little bit talking not about as stuff. uh in depth yeah with the understanding well it just made me think when but, he's yeah. talking about the uh everyone has a picture of themselves with the mona lisa yeah and i looked up our instagram page and our instagram page is just pictures of other people's work yeah with our thing like above it and i'm like so every one of our little ins that our guy jimmy uh he does all of our social media stuff and shout yeah. out to him he made the new fish tank industries logo as yeah. well looks very good i know guy does good work he's the best employee i have um i'm i'm happy for him yes that's he's good. actually getting paid hey i gotta right. go <laughs> <laughs> he'll finish this <laughs> yeah um but it it made me think that that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Like our whole thing has our little logo and then a bunch of and then things. And like, other people's work. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think there's something to, and I'm not going to say it's a, an uncreative thing to do to quote unquote, take your picture next to the Mona Lisa. Yeah. But it is just like you said, you want to take your picture next to it. It's just like, Hey, I yeah. was, I was here. Yeah. Like I, I witnessed this thing. Oh. You know, it's kind of like uh, keeping score about what you've done. Yeah. Do you go to, bit. do you go to art museums? Do you yeah. go up to the national museum up in DC? I haven't been in a while, but yeah. I would like to. When I went out to L.A., I went to the one in... The Getty? Uh, no, the LACMA. Okay. Uh, and the uh, one on uh, OC. I've, no, I've never been to Los Angeles. Oh, so. there's... I went to two modern art museums, okay. and both of them were pretty incredible. I enjoyed the experience immensely. I never really liked art museums until... Uh, I went to one that I love, and I still try to go whenever I'm back down in that area. And for I forget the whole story behind it, but for some reason, the second largest Salvador Dali museum outside of Spain is in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they have some of his masterworks, which are the opposite of the Mona Lisa. They're fucking thirty feet tall, and mm-hmm. he had to like, you know, be up on pulley systems to paint them. And I love Dali stuff like that surrealist uh, like that's like the first thing uh he has a painting there it's one of his famous paintings the hallucinogenic torridor are you familiar with that one probably let me pull up a picture of it. but it's one of those things where uh, a couple of his masterworks are in this gigantic room 
Mm. And you just walk in, you kind of like turn, you know, museums are, they're built with purpose. Yeah. And you just turn the corner and you see this painting here. It is. And it's fucking well, yeah. 30 feet tall and more than that, probably 40 feet tall. And you're just yeah. staring at the base of it. Looks like, pretty Holy, like yeah. it's, it, glorious. It's awesome in yeah. the sense of it inspires yeah. awe. And the magnitude of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that with uh, reference to the Mona Lisa. It's like the, it's the most famous painting in the world. And it's, it's small. It's smaller than a, a poster. Yeah. What are the dimensions of it? It's pretty dang small. Yeah. It's like one of the two things. feet by three feet, maybe. Yeah. Like it's smaller than a poster. Know. Yeah. It's small. Yeah. But, but it captures the heart of the world. Famous for being famous. Yeah. And which is amazing. And I, it's a fun thing to think about. Oh, it's fucking sent me spiraling about our Instagram page. <laughs> but I, I did think this documentary was kind of going to uh, take a turn and be like, oh, this is about, you know, commodification of fame and, you know, yeah. people that are just famous for being famous. But it doesn't really do that. And I don't think it 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 doesn't kind of uh try to disparage the yeah, mona lisa it doesn't tell you that it uh this is a bad thing no it's just that this, you're witnessing this, this is a weird just, thing this is something to yeah. uh think about when yeah. you, you think about the mona lisa mm-hmm. that's the other thing that i love about art is it's you don't have to disparage somebody else's tastes to get them to understand why yeah. you have your viewpoint on it yeah this is something these types of videos i get these types in my algorithm all the time from youtube and it's nobody being like, this is a piece of shit. It's yeah. a lot of people being like, I didn't like this, and here's why. And it's not like you're an idiot for liking it. Right. It's just like, here's a really good reason. Well, not here's my reason why I see it differently. Yeah, I guess I kind of got uh, turned off by art when I kind of... Did you watch the, uh, the Banksy documentary, The Exit Through the Gift Shop? Yes. Uh-huh. And then that kind of turned me off from it. And also, and I really like the avant-garde artists like that. I think it's kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, it's kind of punk rock and shit like that. Yeah. And I also like street art. Yeah. And, but then the art world, like the uh, high end art world. Yeah. I, I watched another, this actually was, oh God, I can't find it. But uh, it was in my recommendation page. It was all about how art is just a money laundering scheme. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of art shouldn't be that expensive no it's like oh this is worth 45 million dollars and it's only worth that because you someone paid that yeah somebody appraised it and they get a sick cut and you could take out an insurance policy on Mm -hmm. it and that insurance policy is worth so much to this company that chooses to insure it and then they insure other things that this person also owns and it's just like yeah you know it's a putting it through it's a blue square like it's a it's a blue square like come on man (laughs) Blue, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, oh, I like, got another great video to offer you about and that say, type of art. And there's a, a, a four-panel thing at the National Gallery, which I'm going to Google so I sound smart. Um, Is it the red one? No, it's uh, oh. like really well done. It's like about man. Oh, God. so it's not just a color? No, it's a it's, it's, uh, fucking... <laughs> no. I, you, you know what I Googled? Yeah. Four panel National Gallery man art. Art. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's like four, it's four stages of a man's life. It's like birth, but it's like the huge like landscape romantic paintings. And there's like an angel that's like calling him and he's like a little baby uh-huh. on a river. And then he's like a man paddling a boat. And uh-huh. then it's like goes off and dies and goes to Four heaven. different paintings, right? Yeah. And it's like uh-huh. stages. I saw of, that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like in a room. And I'm like, that shit's fucking. Yeah. That's it, pretty cool. It takes talent. I'm not going to yeah. say it takes. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it takes less talent to paint a blue square. But. 
it takes everyone can take whatever the meaning they yeah. want from it, but yeah, there is a level of skill. Like Salvador Dali painting a fucking hallucinogenic toreador, <laughs> that's a little more impressive than like the guy that dangles a light bulb. I get the impression or duct tapes uh, a banana. The impressiveness of it as being a, a nice part of art, but it's the impression that it leaves on me that yeah. I really like to take home. I saw some really weird looking stuff at the L.A. Art Museum. That was the modern one? Yeah. Well, it has two. It has art history and it has a modern art. And uh, art history was fun, but it's history. You know me with history. Napoleon was uh, close to Cleopatra. Yep. Hey, hey. I know my stuff. Yeah. And uh, the modern <coughs> Cleopatra art Cleopatra was closer to the iPhone than the pyramids. Is You find something that's pretty striking to take a look at it, and then you read about it, and you're like, that's a really impressive... Uh, thing to want to make and it, people find inspiration in such a wild way and people have a, a, such a unique way to express it. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know that they can express themselves in uh, wildly different ways than other people and that's typically what's going to create really good art Yeah, is uh, don't have to worry on the technicality unless you want to and you don't really have to worry about the message getting across if you don't want to. Because somebody's going to look at it and it's going to infect them. And that's the most important thing to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you something <coughs> without words. And this is the best I could do. And you I, know? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I, I've, I've got my artwork up over there. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I threw shit at it. At a canvas. It means a lot to you, though. Yeah, and other people have said, that's really good. And I'm yeah, like, it's really cool. It's kind of, and that kind of adds another level of thing where it's like, other people can say that it's good, and even I look at it, I'm the one that did it, yeah. and even I can look at it and be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, because you feel like you didn't do anything to achieve. It's a little imposter syndrome thing, yeah. but also, how insufferable would I be if I showed you that and be like, look at this, Jacob. Yeah, look if at- you just said, I'm really happy with how that came out, yeah. I would agree with you. Because I'm really happy with how it came out. I like the yellow. I love the yellow. I love the blue. Also, it's uh, called Thomas Cole, The Voyage of Life. Was there's, it a white no, canvas? That. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember The Voyage of Life. Fucking, uh-huh. fucking great. Yeah, really cool. Very yeah. big. I had a really good Very teacher portra- that, that uh, took us to the National Gallery. Very big painting. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really good teacher that took us to the National Gallery. And, like, I remember we had like the, the docent or whatever you call the museum, museum people. Bye-bye. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a museum person. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah, that was like going around and like telling people, you know, this is what this is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Usher, that's a better word for it. Okay. <laughs> and um, tour guide. She was just like, I got this. <laughs> I kind of like pushed him away, like was telling his shit. And she made it fun. But yeah, uh, I, I recommend this. Uh, I would say on our scale, I give this, a, it's a solid three. I think it's oh, a good yeah. one. It's a good documentary. I think it's cool. Uh, it raised a lot of good questions, and it's worth a watch. So yeah. I recommend. And everyone he's a funny kid. He has pretty good jokes. Yes, in it. He's a little. He's a little neurotic and a little. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little neurotic. Yeah, but it, it's good. It's a. It's a well made yeah. thing. I think it's and it's on YouTube. He's a so funny kid. Check it out. Uh, yeah. Again, what white noise tells us about the Mona Lisa? Uh, YouTube channel again is we're in hell. So uh, now we're going to talk about my recommendation for Jake, which I'm very excited to talk about, especially when we're talking about pieces of art. That are uh, famous for being famous. Yeah, this is uh, wild. Disclaimer here, Jake brought three pages of notes. That's crazy. Which I'm so excited about. Uh, I did bring so a lot of notes. This is the 2023 film, The Flash. 
I yeah. don't even know where to start with this. I just, well, let's start with why. Okay, so uh, this film has been in development since, I think, 2014. Uh, it's gone through a bunch of different directors, scripts. It it started production before the Flash TV show on the WB. Wow. And it came out after the Flash TV show ended its nine-season run. Wow. Yes. So they made an entire Flash TV show before they put out this Flash movie. Uh, it is the second... To, oh, I guess Blue Beetle. No, Blue Beetle might be in the new DC. If you don't know no DC way. Comics Universe, James Gunn said they I think it's part of, part of this. Well, they, really? they just had to put shit out at this point. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's uh, in the universe with Ben Affleck Batman, the Henry Cavill Superman, Gal Gadot Wonder Woman, Yeah, uh, that Justice League, and Ezra Miller as The Flash. And so this is basically an adaptation, a loose adaptation of the uh, Flashpoint comic book series. In which Barry yeah. Allen, if you don't know the story behind Barry Allen, which a lot of people don't, because Barry Allen's not, he's not Batman, he's not Superman. He's on the Justice League, but, you He's know, not a big... He's not Mr. Miracle, so. where, like, a lot of people don't know who he is, but, mm. you know, he's... People know who the Flash is. He's second level, and I would say Barry Allen's, in modern day, is the most famous Flash, especially after Grant yeah. Gustin played him... Definitely. ...for years and years. So it's Barry Allen, uh, Ezra Miller this time, and he's off, uh, it starts out with him getting a call from Alfred... Jeremy Irons being Alfred, still great. Yeah. Like, he's a great yeah. Alfred. Jeremy Irons is great. Um, that he needs help at Gotham General because it's fucking collapsing. Yeah. And he goes off and does that, and then eventually he gets to the point, the whole crux of this is he realizes that he can go back in time, and his idea is his mother was killed, and his dad was falsely uh, imprisoned, falsely in this timeline. Yeah. Uh, falsely imprisoned for killing his mom, <laughs> but he didn't kill his mom. Barry Allen becomes a forensic yeah. guy, like to he's a CSI guy murder. to yeah. uh, free vindicate his father. And uh, he's like, if I can go back in time, I can stop my mom from being killed. Yeah. And Ben Affleck, Batman's like, don't. Yeah, of course. Just don't. butterfly effect. And then Barry Allen's like, well, I could just do a little bit. And Batman's like, bet, you bet you better not. Yeah. You better not do that. I can't stop you, but you better not do that. And then he does that. Mm. and he goes back to uh, something we'll get into a little bit more in detail, but he goes to uh, a timeline where he sees himself uh, the day before or the day that he's supposed to get his powers, and then General Zod, Michael Shannon, invades the Earth. He helps the other Barry Allen get his powers, and then he realizes that there are no superhumans in this. Uh, there is no cyborg. There's no Wonder Woman. Yeah. There's no Aquaman. And but Something there is happened. there is yeah. a Batman. Uh -huh. Everyone's like, oh yeah, Batman. Uh -huh. No one's seen him in years. No one knows who he is. And Barry Allen's like, I know who he is. Yeah. So he takes other Barry Allen to go see Batman. But it's not Ben Affleck anymore. It's Michael Keaton. Yes. Reprising his role as Batman from Batman 1989 and Batman Returns, which was 92, 91, 92. You got a couple me, years buddy. after that. <laughs> yeah. So Michael Keaton's back as Batman. Mm -hmm. Yes. And how do you feel? <laughs> all right. So why I wanted you to watch this, other than yeah. spite. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. Spite's a big part of this. <laughs> I maintain yeah. this isn't a terrible movie. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I think there are parts of this movie that... Uh, and it was written by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Mm. And they've written... Uh, they wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. And they wrote the new... Uh, they wrote... Did you ever see Game Night? No. With uh, Jason Bateman and um, a couple other people, but it's fucking Rachel new. McAdams. I think Rachel McAdams. That's yeah. who it is. Uh -huh. um, and they also wrote the new Dungeons and Dragons, which is okay. It's good. Have you seen the new Dungeons and Dragons? 
I don't like you anymore. Why? Because I was going to suggest that at the end of the day. Oh, were you? Yeah, that was going to be my suggestion. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about Dungeons and Dragons again. I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's so great. So they wrote this. Did you know they wrote that too? No, I did not. Yeah. But good. Yes. That movie's great. And uh, so I maintain this is good. I think it has good thoughts. I think it got like everything in this iteration of the DC universe, which I think is going to get a lot better with James Gunn. Yeah, probably. At the helm. Um. It it got mismanaged. I think it got there are parts of this that just and I'll I'll fully admit parts of this look terrible. Yes, like some of the CGI is just awful garbage. Yeah, we could talk about the first set piece, first action set piece that opens the movie. There that are parts is of that the that look craziest. If it if that movie had the level of absurdity as a bunch of babies not only falling to their death but dealing with scalpels. Or fire, or acid pouring on them Jake, you're while saying they're it like falling. This was something stupid, like the Flash puts a baby in a microwave to move it out of the way. That is <laughs> what I'm talking about. If it stayed at that level, <laughs> I would have loved this movie. So it's just tonally inconsistent for you. It's it's not the tone that I wanted, and not okay. what I was sold on at the beginning. Because uh, Ezra Miller is not an interesting person to watch. They, uh, I don't know what type of character they were going for. Not a good with one. Barry. Yes, I felt like it was Sheldon the whole time. It had a little Sheldon Cooper and vibe was, to it, and I was like, "This is super annoying." Yeah. And then they decided there should be two of them. Yes, which was doubly didn't, annoying. Didn't make it better. It shouldn't have been Ezra Miller as the focal point of this movie. It <laughs> should have been Batman. Can we say this, Batman? The fact that this movie exists is a wonder. The fact that this movie exists is uh, WB trying not to lose any money. They well, wanted to they're trying to lose as little money as possible. Thing out of this thing. It did not do well in the box office. I don't believe. Uh, okay, its budget was two hundred million dollars, and allegedly it made two hundred sixty-five. But with promotion and stuff, it still probably lost money. Very true. Um, That's what they say. If this movie, I will say this: if this movie had come out like pre internet mm-hmm. and i think the movie that really hamstrung this was uh spider-man no way home because in spider-man no way home toby mcguire comes back and yeah. andrew garfield comes back yeah so it really feels like oh and you're just WB trying to do was a, like oh that's spider-man got, no we, way home what do we got yeah even though flashpoint paradox where this is kind of based on which they've also made into an animated movie already that was really good i have no doubt the dc animated movies are actually pretty damn good top notch yeah and i think one of the original versions of the script was supposed to be more along the lines of Flashpoint, which in Flashpoint, he goes back, saves his mom, but in doing so, instead of making Batman Michael Keaton now, mm-hmm. uh, it caused uh, Joe Chill to shoot Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. instead of Thomas, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Yeah. So Martha Wayne goes insane. She becomes the Joker, and Thomas Wayne becomes a Batman <laughs> that just fucking murders people. Tries to get his wife. <laughs> and they're both trying to avenge you know, their son's death. Yeah. But, and that's fucking great. And if they had done yeah, that movie, cool. I think it would have been good. I really think Michael Keaton is a standout in this. Yes. I think Absolutely. he's, he's kind of playing his character from Birdman, which was kind of playing his character from Batman. Yeah. He and, stands out just because he's an actual phenomenal actor. Yes. Compared to everything that's around him. And I will say this. I think there are a lot of people in this that are giving it their all. The actress who's... My favorite thing that Michael Keaton did was uh, when he tried to eject from 
the uh, Batwing. Yeah. And the ejection was malfunctioning. Like, immediately, he was just like, I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> He's so done. <laughs> and I will say, I think uh, the person who got shafted the most from this was uh, actress Sasha Kale, who plays uh, Kara Zor-El. Yeah. They, they're in the second set piece, they go... Uh, they find that there is a Kryptonian here because General Zod shows up. And Michael Shannon's in this a bit. And yeah. good job cashing that paycheck, Michael Shannon. <laughs> I don't think he had to do much. I don't think he saw any of these other actors. <laughs> I think he was just in front of a green screen yeah. or a blue screen or whatever. Because there was a lot of animated uh, Supergirl. Yes. and you know. But uh, Sasha Kale, I think her as Kara is fantastic. I think she was a she great was casting choice. Yeah. And I think she didn't have much to do. No. There was a Supergirl movie planned. It was kind of like the Batgirl movie, except the Batgirl movie got shot and it was filmed, and then WB just shelved it as a tax dodge. Yeah, so crazy. And that had a good Batgirl. It had Brendan Fraser was playing Firefly in that. Oh wow! It had J.K. Simmons back as Commissioner Gordon. Oh wow! Yeah, it was in. For all intents and purposes, people are saying it was good, but legally they cannot release that movie. Stupid. I know it's dumb. So there is that going against it. So why did I want you to see this movie besides just spite? Hmm. Uh. It's one of those weeks in the podcast where it kind of one thing plays into the other. Yeah. Where this is, I think this is the the taking your picture with a Mona Lisa for everything good that's been done in superhero movies since 2008. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of it everywhere, but for some reason it's like uh, remember in the uh, video you had me watch where they're saying that the when the Mona Lisa got stolen. There are people that made copies of the Mona Lisa, yeah. but since they didn't have a copying machine, a lot of the people just drew it from memory uh-huh. and sold those prints where it's just like a shitty guy, how he remembers the Mona yeah. Lisa. This comes off a lot of like someone was in a coma and they woke up and they're trying to remember they have to everything. Flash. <laughs> they're trying to remember everything good that happened in superhero movies from yeah. the multiverse stuff, from the mentor stuff from the surprising twists of characters and stuff like that. And yeah. none of it, for some reason, it comes off as a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes off uninspired. But I thought you, I, well, I didn't think. I knew you were not going to watch this otherwise. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> so I needed you to. And oh. you came with three pages of notes. So yeah. hit me with your notes. I'm going to be Team Flash. Uh, uh, what else happens? Oh, yeah. All the universes collide. Are you talking about this in your notes? Uh, no, a little when bit. When all the universes collide? Just a little bit. All right. Hit me with your notes. So we've gone through a lot of these while we were just talking. Good. Uh, one thing that I do want to bring up is that I like that he called his dad in prison, and his dad in prison was like, look, I didn't kill your mom, but I'm over it now, and I'm just going to stay in jail. It's fine. It, it you is, go and do whatever you want, Barry. It is, it is Ron Livingston. He does give off office space vibes. He's, he's just like, I don't care. Yeah, he's like, I don't care anymore, kid. Yeah. You go live your life. I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> you see, opposite of Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't Harrison kill my Ford, wife. It's like, it's I didn't fine. kill my wife. He's like, well, guys, I didn't kill her, but meh. <laughs> I, I don't want to be a nudge about this, but I really didn't kill my there, wife. He uh, offers uh, a girl a drink Iris in his West. apartment. Yeah. And uh, in that fridge is a can of eight hot dogs. Yes. I looked it up. That's not a thing. A can of eight hot dogs? Yeah, you can't get a can of hot dogs. Uh, if you want Vienna sausages, yes, you can. 
ate hot dogs well, or just hot dogs in a can? In what in what multiverse? This is a great question. It was normal. <laughs> and they still had Stella Artois, but they didn't <laughs> but they also had hot dogs in a can. I don't understand the hot dogs in the can. I know. It was very distracting. It is the reason why I picked up my notebook. It's one of those things when I see stupid things like that. I'm, I'm sure there was one obscure flash panel in the 1970s where he has hot dogs in a can in his fridge. And whoever put that in the script is just like, see how much I know about comic uh, books? I thought it was just something that people are so out of touch. They're like, what would a normal person have in their fridge? Yes. A can of hot dogs. A can of hot dogs, of course. <laughs> um, tired of time travel stuff. Was one of the things that I said. Yeah, I think this time is travel kind of the end of the multiverse. Is, after Primer, people shouldn't fuck with Primer. time travel. Great, you got a movie to watch tonight. I mean, this week. What's Primer? Primer is a movie about time travel. Okay, but it's one of the most technical movies about time travel that's ever been made. Was it the Time Machine? It was the Time Machine with H.G. Wells himself <laughs> pedaling that time machine away. All right, we'll talk about we'll talk about Primer yes. afterwards. Okay. So it's just... Were you seriously going to recommend Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, of course. I was going to award you, out of the kindness of my heart, because I have it in my notes (coughs) right here, make Taylor watch D&D, Honor Among Thieves. It's good. I'll I'll say right now, that's a three. Everyone should watch that, too. I think it's on Max as well. Yes. Yeah. I believe so. It's good. No, I it's hope, on Amazon Prime. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I hope they make another one of those. Me, too. That movie was kind of... Chris Pine is so damn charming, that entire movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is Great. awesome as hell. Yeah. And the kid, uh, Justice Smith? Yes. I think he was in Detective Pikachu, too. He's yes. great. He was great. Mm-hmm. He was uh, as an uh, awkward person. And, yeah. like, um, Flash, Z- Sheldon Flash was uh, supposed to be an awkward person. Yeah. And this one, it just comes off as grating. Yeah. Where his awkward in D&D was very funny. Yeah. You know, he was he's just... He's like that in Detective Pikachu, too. Yeah, he's, Did you ever see Detective Pikachu? We watched it in theaters together, Oh, buddy. shit, that's right. I can't believe it. It was one of our better dates. <laughs> you forget? It was, it was a good movie. <laughs> Maybe the best video game movie ever? Probably not. No, probably not. No. Super Mario Brothers. It's Twisted Metal, the TV series. Super Mario Brothers. Twisted Metal. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Continue. I wrote down, Lucy was more entertaining. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Lucy was amazing. Lucy was... A uh, mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Something new is happening. No minutes. matter what, even if it's really dumb, this movie is meandering a I, lot. Yeah, there was a lot of padding. And filler. A lot of talking from Ezra to Ezra, and yes. it, it, there should be something better than Ezra. You see Stop I mean? it! Did you hear that? Would you say that this movie was good? I was walk on. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. <laughs> that jokes for nobody but us. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down that the, I, I hate the this is awkward scenes, you know. Yeah, that was the worst uh, part of the Justice Leagues too, where yeah. he's like, "Oh, I don't know about brunch." Yeah, like what's brunch? It's like, shut up! You know what brunch is? Yeah, you work for the police department. I hope you know what brunch is. Uh, I wrote down. I do like the fulcrum idea of going back in time. So that's where that's instead of time thing. being a parallel mm-hmm. thing running together, it, there's a point in time. That happens in every timeline that mm-hmm. overlaps, like Bruce Wayne's parents dying. Yeah. So that is consistent thing where the timelines go wildly different directions. That's why Aquaman's not around because, you know, it shouldn't have changed anything right. because Aquaman's older than the Flash. So it's Wonder Woman. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they shouldn't have been gone, but they're like, oh, it's because they've never existed on this timeline. This is the timeline that you jump to. And I think that would have been even better if two months before this, they didn't do it in Spider-Verse. Yes. do it better. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything this movie did, I think Spider-Verse did better. But I enjoyed the fulcrum. Yes. I was fine with that. Did you like the chronosphere effect? Absolutely not. Yeah. It looked terrible. It didn't look great. It was all bad cg yes so bad cg was so like sometimes it looked not great sometimes it looked good the the running effect i feel bad because it's just like the 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 i think what they call them in spider-verse nexus points in Mm. in not a fulcrum it was a nexus point in spider-verse i think okay (laughs) whatever the terminology (laughs) was yeah but like they did that better and no one's been able to do the the quick running super speed like they That's did what I in the, the X-Men movies. Like the Quicksilver, the yeah. old X... Or I'm new- tired of things uh, being slow to show that they're fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going in normal speed while everything's going, ooh, look at the rain. It looks like it stopped. Yeah. I'm, it's more boring to me now yes. it, than it used to be. So, like, the times it was exciting was when you see a bolt of lightning and then his apartment's clean. Yep. You know, that's that's much more fun to me. Yeah. You know, and I wish they've done that more. But yeah. that is just that's just something for me. Okay. Know, if people like the small, so the slow motion stuff, that's great. I'm happy for you. I think it's okay. Yeah. I wrote down uh, Michael Keaton uh, stuff is awesome. Michael Keaton's very awesome, and he does a really good job. I get it up for Keaton in this. I think there's some great. If we're not talking about this as a Flash movie, I think there's mm-hmm. some great Batmaning in this, and yeah. I will completely admit. And it pains me to say this. Ben Affleck is not the uh, best Batman uh, uh, in this movie. Yeah. Is he the I best Batman overall? Possibly. Uh. <laughs> I think, and I was really excited when I saw the stills uh, when this trailer first came out, because he does have the blue and gray Batman. Like, he has got the bluish cowl. Oh, yeah. It, the gray mm-hmm. bodysuit. It's the first oh. time since, you know, Adam West days where we yeah. haven't seen a black on black Batman. Adam West is in this movie. Adam West is in this movie. Jesus. And, uh... That's I, it thing. was it was not a good looking Overload. bat suit. It was not a good looking bat suit. No Affleck's way home had three uh, Spider Man. To be fair, there's only been three Spider Man. And then this thing was just a funnel in your mouth with a gigantic bucket of nostalgia going. Spider Verse right had there. the the meme of them pointing at each other, but you were okay with that. Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah Spider Verse is fun. Yeah, it is. That's that's different. I'm talking No Way Home. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm can't what about ism Spider Verse because we everyone agrees that's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Yeah. It comes in the mail for me tomorrow. From what? Amazon. Oh, I, I bought the Blu-ray. Oh, that's right. You're Jake mm-hmm. Physical Media. Yeah, right I'm on. collecting physical media now. Uh, the the action scene with Batman actually beating st- up people. <coughs> Which uh, one? Uh, the one in uh, with the Kryptonians. Yes. Oh, the no, one no, no. in Russia. Yes. Siberia, whatever. Where he's fighting normal people. Yes. And he's doing a normal Batman fight. Some good Batman. It was really good Batman. Some great Batman. So uh, he didn't kill a one of them. Nope. He didn't. He was just. I need to incapacitate all these people. And they were Russian. And, and that Batman kills well. people. You remember in Batman '89 where he like drops the dude with uh, dynamite <laughs> down the <laughs> manhole down like a shaft and he's, he's like, broken his legs at least and then he gets hit with a bottom, grenade and then he explodes this and i will say the affleck batman he was just machine gunning cars in yes. the street willy-nilly yeah he was murdering people yeah at least michael keaton was like i don't murder people yeah uh i wrote down val kilmer is great as batman he was i was hoping he would show up he did not. Guess who did show up? 
Spoilers for the end of The Flash. So at the end yeah. of The Flash, uh, Barry and Barry are mad at each other because new Barry keeps wanting to go back and try to fix things because they keep fucking up. Batman keeps dying. Kara Zor-El keeps dying. Yeah. Zod keeps winning. And then old Barry says... I can this just it. this is just what happens. Yeah. Like you know, we can't change this. Yeah, newer Barry's like, no, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back, and yeah. he keeps going back. He keeps that getting more really and more disfigured. Yeah, that that one scene with the that's I think that's the only time I like the two Barrys. Yeah, and, I agree. There was uh, a difference that was building in each right. of them. One had more experience, so he didn't mm-hmm. do the bad thing. Yeah, and then the other one uh, was just you see the villain build up inside of him mm-hmm. and. It's it was perfect. Like you can't be mad, and if it, it builds up Newberry. on the outside of him too. Yeah, yeah. He looked great. Yeah, honestly, he did look good. Horrifying speed creature. Yeah, but then uh, Barry sets everything right, kills that other Barry. The other third Barry disappears, and then you know he goes back to where his mom is because he had like his mom. The whole whole fucking stupid conceit of this is that his mom forgot a can of tomatoes at the grocery store yeah. had to send his dad out to get the tomato and tomatoes. mom was like yeah, mom got murdered i'll give you a hug yeah <laughs> i and know then, you're a stranger but he goes back and Buh. puts tomatoes in her cart so then yeah. she doesn't die so she dies he murdered his mom and, yeah so he goes back and he re-murders his mom and we gotta murder our, my mom yeah. do you remember whitest kids you know when yeah. they get a time machine they're like we gotta redo nylon <laughs> All right, P. Trevor Moore. That oh, show is fucking way ahead of yeah. this stuff. Oh, man, that's so funny. So at the end of the movie, Barry puts everything right, or so it seems. He goes to the courthouse, but the one thing he changes is he put like the tomatoes up on the top shelf, so his dad had to look up at a security yeah. camera. And then his dad is uh, vindicated. Not vi- what's the fucking word? Exonerated. Yeah. Um, but he was like, you guys fine? I'll stay in jail if you want me to. I don't no. want to be a bother. Seriously, I didn't kill guys, my wife. It's kind of fun in here. But it's kind of, I know it could be, yeah. <laughs> Barry, I don't want to put any more on you. Also, this kid's really fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Can I just hang out in jail for a while? But uh, <laughs> It was such a funny scene. And so Barry gets a call, and it's like, Bruce. He's like, oh, good thing about your dad. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks, because the Wayne Tech, and then it pulls up in the Audi. That mm. was the same Audi that Ben Affleck was in. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, I'm right here by the courthouse. And like, oh, yeah, there's like parts to the right crowd here. and it's like, oh, it's going to be Ben Affleck again. Yeah. But it's not Ben Affleck. It's no. George Clooney. It's George Clooney. It's George Clooney. I wish it was Val Kilmer. Looking great. Well, Val yeah, great. Val Kilmer's sick. I I'm know, sure. yeah. but I don't want to see, I don't like George Clooney I Batman. will say this. Can we say, even though Val Kilmer, I will say, was a better Batman, I don't think that was a better movie. I think Batman and Robin is better than Batman Forever. I don't know. I don't just, know. Just for Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger makes that whole That's a wild movie. thing to... That's a, that's, a, that's a tall order, my friend. All right. Well, we can argue about that later. Yeah. But I will say, I think George Clooney is more famous for being Batman than Val Kilmer is. Uh, yeah. I'd I have to agree. If you, name, if you ask a random person, name all the people that have played Batman, I guarantee people pull out Clooney before they pull out Val Kilmer. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's a bigger celebrity. And he did one and done, and then he never wanted to talk about Batman again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Which he did not. He'll talk, uh, he'll talk to you about Mad Morgan He said all that day. was bad, didn't yeah. he? Yes. Well, yeah. I think most people did. Uh-huh. And so George Clooney's at the end. You were not a fan of that? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I thought it was great. It's funny. I thought it was great. But it was... The so allegedly, and this is what I've read from a couple different sources, that was supposed to be Ben Affleck again, yeah. and then James Gunn got the head honcho at DC gig, yeah. and they went and they reshot it during COVID with George Clooney, just like that scene. Yeah, and they called it something fake, 
called George Clooney. They're like, you want to do it? George Clooney's like, that's fucking hilarious. Let's do that. And it was kind of James Gunn's way of saying, Ezra Miller's not in this new DC universe at all. He's stuck in George Clooney universe. <laughs> it's, uh, it's cute. Yes. It's nice. It has a little bow on it. it. And then he says, well, who the fuck is that at the end? Like, yeah. that's your F-bomb? I'm like, ugh. Yeah. The, and uh, even that, like the one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie, yeah. if that hadn't been done two months earlier in Guardians 3, yeah. <laughs> when Peter Quill just says, open the fucking door, <laughs> which is the first F-bomb in a Marvel movie, and it was perfect. <laughs> like, even that would have been funny if it had not been done earlier that year. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? It's, uh, the stinger was yeah. great. Yeah, with Aquaman. Yeah, Jason Momoa is Well, he's got a awesome. movie coming out. <laughs> There's he's Aquaman. Aquaman 2. Aquaman 2. But he was so funny yes. that I loved it. Yeah. It was, that was nice. Okay. Good part. This movie is so close to being a watchable movie. And There's too much in it that is too long. Uh, going through the chronosphere is too long with too many self Oh, yeah, we didn't really it. say that. In the chronosphere, yeah. when he's seeing other universes, we see Adam West... We see Adam West. We see, you see uh, Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. We see George see, Reeve that played yeah. the original Superman. Yeah. Two Superman yeah. that have... Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage fighting a giant yeah. spider, which is hilarious. Yeah. From Superman... What was that? Superman Flyby? I don't know is what that it was what, called. Was called? I, I, I couldn't yeah. tell you what it was called. Nicolas Cage was in it. But that's a good idea for a spy, Superman. But yeah. now it's never going to happen. No. But uh, there's just uh, layers and layers mm-hmm. of self-referential... Yeah, humor right then, and it's not even played for humor. No, it's just like look at these worlds colliding. It's like I, Adam West, your world. No, and I feel like when someone storyboarded that, they're like, people are gonna fucking cheer. Yeah. in the fucking yeah. theaters for this, but it's just like okay. Yeah, you're like Christopher Reeve. It's like <laughs> yeah, he can't consent no. to this. No, and it was a lot. Yes. Yeah, and so, if I if I can speak for what I think your opinions are. Uh, you hate things that are almost good more than you hate things that are bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, if things are bad, you can at least be like, that was bad. Yeah. But when things are almost good, you're like, fuck this for the, not being when there's stuff just in a it, little yeah. better. If, w- and if I think it wasn't they as long. They could have took 20 minutes out of this movie because yeah. uh, Old the, Barry loses his powers, Newberry yeah. gets his powers, and there's a whole thing of him learning to use his powers. He didn't have to lose his powers. No. You could have no, just cut out sure. that middle check and be like, no, no, no. You didn't even have to give that Barry his powers. He could have shown up after he got his powers. Yeah. And you wouldn't have had to do that the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. Batman setting up a and granted Michael Keaton did say you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. That was <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was the that was the one bit that they wrote in for fan service that I was just like, Yes. What is that? It's from uh, Batman eighty nine. Yeah. When he's Bruce Wayne, like the Joker goons are coming in. It's like you guys want to get nuts? And he smashes something on the mail and says, Let's get nuts. <laughs> but how fun. I've got more nostalgia for Batman eighty nine than you do. <laughs> So, I'm feeling like this is going to get a one from you. It gets a one. All right. It's not. It's very close to a two. Very close to a two. It's very close to a oh. two. But there Are was you just happy so much. You watched it though. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. You're not upset that you uh, watched it. No, I'm not yeah. upset that I watched it. And mm-hmm. it's something that if somebody said I really like that movie, uh, I w- I can understand. Yeah. There's but there's just things that I don't enjoy in the movie. That keeps me from like, ever wanting to see it again. Fair enough. Yeah. The, the 
I, the fight scenes are so long and so uninteresting unless it's Batman beating up Russians. The Batman versus the Kryptonians fight was pretty good too. Where he, with that bit where he slaps a back grenade on the yeah, back of that big Kryptonian's bunch. head. Yeah, That's he doesn't weird. care if it's an alien. He will kill the hell out of an alien. Aliens and robots. Batman will kill yeah. the fuck out of you. He yeah. just doesn't kill people. He just not people. Yeah. I know Superman's Kryptonian. And I don't want to kill him, right. but I will kill him. <laughs> if I have to, I will yeah. fucking... He'll probably go after Cyborg, too, because yeah. he's half <laughs> Martian Manhunter, get the fuck out of here. You just see him grinding his teeth every time he sees Martian Manhunter. I'm sure he's done, like, the pros and cons list. Is like, can I kill Aquaman? Yeah. Technically, he's not whole human. Yeah. I think I could kill him. What if I just kill the fish part? <laughs> also, something we didn't talk about, Gal Gadot shows back up. Yeah. That fucking, that Wonder Woman theme, the... Yeah. If I yeah. never have to fucking hear that, I don't know why that's her theme. That's like the worst. one. And all, we do get the... The Lasso of Truth was pretty fun. That was good. It, but it's the same joke they did in Justice League. Yeah. Oh, like, I haven't seen Justice League. I, the, uh, I know, I almost made you watch it for all Affleck April. Uh, uh, if it... The Lasso of Truth has never been done for anything other than a joke. Yeah. And that's fun. I mean, I mean I you could use it to get the truth out of it. But you just, write, you just write it off. Whatever. Yeah. All right. So Flash gets a one. Flash gets a one, buddy. That's fine. I'll never right. so, see it again. Uh, you'll, you'll watch it again. Uh, so uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Like I said, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at UpYourAlleyPod. TikTok uh, at UpYourAlleyPod. Uh, TikTok's getting some traction. Yeah. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify. And also, you can find me and maybe sometimes Jake at uh, twitch.tv slash fishtankindustries. You can send an email with your recommendations or tell me how great you thought The Flash was to upyourallypod at gmail.com. But now we're going to talk about what we're going to be getting into next week. Jake, what do you got for me? So since I had to think on my feet, since you've already watched Dungeons & Dragons, Dragons. Yeah. sir... We brought up Primer. Let's watch some Primer, buddy. Primer. Okay. 2004 oh. movie Primer. I've never... I don't think it's on any streaming service other than you have to rent it. It's okay. So it's going to cost you $3. All right. But... Uh, who's in it? N- nobody who's famous. Is this a scary movie? No. It's not a scary movie. 2004 independent psychological science fiction film about the accidental discovery of time travel. Yeah. Written, directed, produced, edited, and scored by Shane Carruth yes. in his debut. Uh-huh. Jesus, man. He did so he Upstream did. Color as well, and I wasn't as interested in that movie. But this one's really fun because uh, you have to set up the rules for time travel. You yeah. Know? And that's basically all this movie is. I do like a good time travel. Yes. Yeah. I think this is one of the better ones. Okay. So watch Primer. All right. Uh, let me see where. I'll watch Primer as well. Good. Do you need to give us a primer for it? <laughs> oh, stream free with uh, Apple TV. Uh, oh, I don't have that. I do. So I'll not pay for Primer. <laughs> I have a book for you. Ooh, a book. Kamuk book. Oh. Uh, this is a graphic novel. It's eight pages. It just came out in a hardback, so I got it. It's one of those things where I read like the first two issues on Comixology, mm. and then I was like, I want to wait for this because it's a new property. It's by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Oh. It's... Uh, like I said, eight pages is available now in hardback. It's one of those things that's it's going to get adapted into a series or something at some point if uh-huh. it hasn't already been bought up. Uh-huh. It is called Eight Billion Genies. Eight Billion Have Genies. Have you heard of Eight Billion Genies? No. Okay, so you're, this, Jacob, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. This is going to turn into one of your favorite things. Yeah? Yes. How fun. So Eight Billion Genies, it's, uh, like I said, it's by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Uh, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown did the story. 
Ryan Brown did all the art. Charles Soule wrote the whole thing. Uh, it, the blurb on the back that they got the pull quote from someone says, Eight Billion Genies is fucking incredible from Patton Oswalt. <laughs> um, so the premise behind this uh, says it on the back. Everywhere at precisely the same moment, everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish. Okay. There are eight billion genies. That's a lot of genie. Um, welcome to the world of eight billion genies. As people all over the planet make wishes profane and profound, the world and humanity change forever. Follow the eight characters who find themselves in a Detroit dive bar as G-Day descends upon humanity. <laughs> navigate their hopes, fears, dreams, and wishes over the first eight seconds, then the first eight hours, and ultimately the next eight centuries. Wow. So... Everyone on Earth gets a genie and one wish. This, I will say... The art's really nice. Oh, yeah. Flip through, flip through it real quick. The artwork is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. The colors are so pretty. Oh, dude. It's one of the most beautiful graphic novels. Wow. Well, not really graphic novels. They page limited series. But, yeah. Jake, I, I say this wow. unironically. This is end of, you're going to be talking about this to people. Great. Eight billion genies. Uh, I'm going to watch Thank Primer. You, bud. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to follow us on all the things and send us an email up your early pod. Jake, thanks for coming over. I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. All right, bye. Bye.